So this is a big night. We we've started stop, started stop, snow breaks and Thanksgiving breaks and Christmas breaks and we we are ending this class tonight and, and Phil Cornwell will start back next week. Um the the class is, is entitled Unoffendable. We actually have two people, three people that I'm noticing that have never been in here before, and so we're going to have a pop quiz right now. Who can tell them, who can tell these people, when we talk about unoffendable, what we're aiming towards, what we're really talking about being is what? Who who can help us? Y'all don't embarrass me. Act like you've learned something, okay? <laughs> okay. Jeanette? So a lifestyle that shows forgiveness. Living a lifestyle that shows forgiveness. Who can do better than that? I shouldn't say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> no one. Harder feelings. Yes. Not to hold on to hate. Get rid of it as soon as possible. Not to hold on to hate. Get rid of it as soon as possible. Graceful. Be graceful. That's a good answer. <clears throat> what are we talking about? The effects that anger has on our body and and. You know, psychologically and even physically, it's a negative effect. Yeah. We've talked so much about the negative impact anger can have in just changing us into being really bitter, unkind, unhappy, grumpy old people. Uh, <laughs> you thought I was going to say grumpy old something else, probably. Anyway, any other? Any other? I think those those are good descriptions. So tonight. Tonight, actually, uh, Jeff is right. He, the, the the title of this series actually is the the difference it makes. This is an eighteen minute video, but he really is gonna he's really gonna say, okay, so how do you do it? And what what he what he so he's gonna try to answer that question because it's one thing to say, yeah, let's all be unoffendable and let's all be like that, but how? You know, you just how do you reach your hands into your insides of who you are and not be like that and so he's going to give it he's going to answer the how-to the truth is he's already answered that many times and so we're going to with these cards that my two trusty oh did you still got some left one left how many do you have left okay how many you have left i'm all out i'll take that thank you I think this is where the latecomers come. Uh, so what he's going to do, he's going to really try to answer how do you do it. But then what what's really going to happen? I watched it and go, oh man, you only gave two answers, and one of them you've given every single lesson. Uh, so he's going to do something. He's going to repeat, and but I'm okay with repeating. I think I've said it to you before. It's kind of like I got a nail and I drive it down, and I do the same thing until it's just driven in there. So he's going he's gonna to take one answer, and he's just going to drive it deeper in there. So that's good. Um, he is going to give another answer that he has not talked about up to this point. But, oh, yeah, we needed to hear that. So there's, that's really good. And then um, this is going to be a form of review of everything you set up this point that is a practical tool for us to take home. So the question is, uh, just listen to the video. Um, how does he answer? How do you do this? But also, what else impresses you? What else stands out to you? What was helpful to you? What did you appreciate? What do you, do you not understand? What questions did you have? And we'll watch that for 18 minutes. We'll have that discussion, and that's the way it will go.
people ask me, what is it like living the Brand Hansen lifestyle, the limousine lifestyle, if you will? Well, it's fantastic. I have certain expectations. I don't party without little sparkly things on the ceiling. That's just how I roll. I have a certain je ne sais quoi, a fromage cottage, if you will. I have your Excuse me? Your 10 minutes is up. Okay. <laughs> what are y'all doing in here? You got cameras and stuff? Trying to do a thing. All right. <laughs> anyway, my lifestyle is such that uh, I have certain perks that come with it. I, uh, I, uh, uh. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. I'm so glad you're here. This is our last session. It's been so good to talk about this. I have people, though, when they hear me like talk about this, a lot of times they're sold or they read the book and they're sold on the idea, but then they ask, but how do you really do this? It's one thing to talk about forgiveness, but how do you actually do this? And I tell them there's only one way you can do this. And that is by constantly reminding yourself that you are yourself not deserving of forgiveness, but God's doing it anyway. That's it. It's just, it's a constantly re-entering that gratitude that will help you forgive other people. If you don't have that, you won't be able to do it. But here's the thing about gratitude and anger. They can't coexist. You can't simultaneously be thankful and angry. It's, it's either one or the other. You have to choose. One will kill you. One will give you life. Choose wisely. It's like Sir Lancelot and the Holy Grail thing or whatever with Indiana Jones. Like he chose wisely or poorly. Like one will kill you. One will give you life. Gratitude or anger. But it's that thankfulness that God forgave me in spite of me. You may be asking yourself, yeah, that's interesting, but why do you have like a zombie guy behind you? And I don't actually know. I'm scared by my own visuals right now. I'll tie this in later. It'll make some sense. But I do want to hit that point because that is the basis for it. So it's every day being thankful that God has forgiven me. This is the only resource I think we have to do this. What Jesus is giving us, once again, as he always does, is freedom. He's actually giving us a way to live free. And for that, I am thankful to him. But I need this constant reminder in my life because I'm very forgetful, too. I'm very forgetful, alarmingly forgetful. You will be armed. I lose my car. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It happened a couple days ago. One time it happened, I was getting ready to go to work one day, and I walked out where I parked my car out in front of our place. I parked the car right there. The car's gone. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's been stolen. And I thought, what do I do? What did I put in the garage? I forget. No, it wasn't in the garage. It's gone. It's nowhere in the neighborhood. Like, well, it's been stolen, I guess. But then I thought, Brant, remember, you don't always know what you're doing. <laughs> so before you call the cops, retrace your steps. And sure enough, I thought, what did I do yesterday? Well, I went to the gym. So I got a ride to the gym and my car was there. I had gone to the gym to work out, left and just walked home. I forgot my car was there. So this is this is normal. I'm thinking about other stuff. I'm thinking about Lord of the Rings or something, and I just walk out and I'm walking home thinking about Lord of the Rings. I forget that my car is back there. That's just that's just me. But we humans are so forgetful, it's amazing. 
we forget how good God is to us and how faithful he's been. It's amazing how, that's why we get worried about stuff, because we've forgotten all the stuff we were worried about before where he actually came through. And we didn't need to worry about it, but we forgot. But he's very aware of this. You can read like Deuteronomy, how many times it tells us to remember, to remember, and remember this, remember that. He's talking to his people, and he's saying, you'll have to tie it around your wrist, put it on your doorpost, because you'll forget. Here's another thing. Quit feeding your anger. This is another thing you have to remember. If you want to actually live this way, quit feeding it. If you're getting angry watching the news, stop it. Stop it. That's what they're designed to do. I mean, I'm somebody who got a degree in journalism. I've been a newsman, all that sort of stuff. But, but this is what they're doing. It's it's not subtle. It's look, you just pick your channel, and then it's all about how horrible the other people are. So whatever your political beliefs, that's not a good place to be in. That's just a self-righteous, you're a, you're a self-basting turkey at that point. You're marinating in your own propaganda. Like, do you want to live this way? No, you know. And here's another thing about this, too. I mean, they know how to upset you. And in fact, they're doing it multiple ways at the same time. You notice how they're scrolling things like every direction, like up and down, across, and there's lights of like breaking, breaking, breaking. It's always breaking. Huge of this. Is that what I meant? What about this? What about that? It's constant. And they never stop. So if there's not a big news day, they don't stop and go, hey, you know what? Not a whole lot of stuff going on. Let's talk about dogs and cats. They don't do that. It's always going to be something that gets you angry because it travels well. I don't want to exist. I know there are important things in the world to be aware of. I get that. I'm not diminishing that. What I am saying is I don't exist to be manipulated and to be ginned up into anger. That can't be me because... Jesus said he's going to give us a gift. Remember what he gave? He talked about the Last Supper. I'm going to give you something. I don't give like the world gives. So you might be expecting like cigar boxes or something from me. That's not what I'm doing. I'm going to give you my peace. That's a gift. Do you really want to say, do I really want to say, hey, thanks for that gift, but I'd rather have the news? No. No, this is not the way I want to live. I don't want to feed my anger. I know I have a problem with it. I know I can lapse into it. Anger resides in the lap of fools. That's where anger lives. That's where anger gets its mail, in the lap of fools. So if I'm defending my right to anger, do I really, really want to do that? Because that's where it lives. So I have to constantly remind myself of this, how good God has been to me. I have to constantly remind myself of the fact that these people don't deserve it. They're probably not going to apologize. How often does somebody, you know, get in a like an, an apology war on the highway? <laughs> like, I got to I actually want to do this. I want to light because I know I accidentally do dumb stuff. I want to light in the back of my car since I'm sorry. I could just turn it on on the thing. I didn't mean to do that. But how often does that actually happen? It's just it's, that's just not how humans work. I know some people, and this is not. It doesn't help me with book sales, but I know some people that read, read the book like once a year. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. I mean, there's, there's other ways to encounter these ideas, too. But it's like to continually bring this up, to make it a lifestyle. This is discipleship. In fact, this is so important. I read a, a, a book by N.T. Wright about Jesus. And he, he was talking about Jesus' vision for the church. And I remembered this because, like, whoa, I've never heard it put that way. So Jesus' idea for the church was small communities of people 
practicing his way of forgiveness together. That's the church. This is it. This is the issue. We have a ministry of reconciliation because of this forgiveness thing. This is what we're actually called to do. And you know what? It should work. This is like Jesus is praying for unity, like so that people will see that we forgive each other and we actually stick together in spite of our differences. We actually stay together. That's how people will know that we belong to him, he said. We have to forgive each other. D.A. Carson said that the church is a natural band of enemies who stay together for Jesus' sake. But yeah, that's probably true. But wouldn't that be awesome? Because nobody else can work this out. Like if we were the people that stuck together and forgave each other and forgave people, like breathing, people would say, how did they do that? They would know that we were sent by Jesus. Which is exactly what he said. The world has not figured this out. Like we were just we talked about that. We began this whole series talking about the rage rooms and the epidemic of anger and the mental health problems. Number one mental health problem in our country. Anger, said Slate magazine. We talked about that. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we were the people that had the solution? Because we do. Forgiveness. And since we've been forgiven for so much, since we've been forgiven for so much, we can extend it to other people. I shouldn't have done this, and I've told you I'm not much of an athlete, but when our kids were little, my son, I think he was eight or nine, and my wife said, hey, he needs to join a sports team. He's a big reader, like me, nerd. And so I was like, okay, she's like, let's sign him up for football. And so I was like, hey, Justice, we're signing you up for football. And he's like, well, why do I have to do sports? I'm like, America is here, <laughs> and we're going to do some sports. So signed him up, took him to practice. He, uh, he was on a team called the Rams. No coaches were there. So I just kind of watched him around. They were doing stuff, and there's no other, like, dads around. And I saw, like, all the teams were there, so they had blue T-shirts for the Rams. There's a yellow team. I can distinctly remember them over there. They had seven assistant coaches the first practice. They're walking around with headsets. They're, like, doing stuff. Kids are doing drills and stuff. And they're, like, doing all, they're doing all this stuff. I'm like, that's amazing. But the, our team had no coach. So I got a call from the park district. They're, like, hey, Mr. Hansen, uh, Justice's team needs a coach. You might coach. I'm, like, nope. Um, can't do that. My wife's like, you should coach the team. I don't want to coach the team because I don't know what I'm doing, number one. Number two, I don't have any time. I just, this is not good. I go to the next practice, still no coach. And the yellow team's over there, like, practicing blitzes and stuff. This is like a flag football thing. So I was playing catch because there's no coaches, but we're just playing with the kids. There was this kid, he was like this tall. And his name's Jared. We're just throwing the ball back and forth. He had like long, blonde hair. I remember distinctly. He's like the littlest kid on the team, throwing it to me. He's like, "Are you gonna be our coach?" And I was like, "Nope." <laughs> <laughs> and then he paused with the ball. I kid you not. And he looked up at me and he said, "Well, can I at least call you coach? Because I've always wanted to call somebody coach." <laughs> like. So I come home dragging all these pylons of football and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And we went 0-12. Um, and we got shut out. 
We did not score in our 12 games. First 12 games. 0-12. And I kid you not. You're going to think I'm making this up. My offensive coordination was truly offensive, I can tell you that. <laughs> we were shut out for 12 games. We were terrible. But I love these kids. They're so sweet. We just were bad. You know, and coaching was terrible. 13th and last game of the year was against the yellow team. They were 12-0. They were a buzzsaw. No one could touch them. They had all the assistant coaches and stuff. Like, they were unbelievable. I was like, 12-0 against 0-12. This is going to be a great way to end the season. They kicked off to us. I'm not making this up. We have, not, we have not scored all season. We're playing a 12-0 team. It kicked off to us. It skitched along the ground a couple of times. A kid named Christian on our team picks it up and just weaves his way all the way back to the house for a touchdown. Yeah. 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 Uh, we're up 6-0, and I'm like, I'm not, now I'm Mr. Coach. Like, this is going to be one of those Christian movies. <laughs> this is going to be inspiring. <laughs> Final score was 72-6. <laughs> they put up 72 unanswered on us. Um, <laughs> season's over. Kids, you know, we finished 0-13. We just got run over like a steamroller by this machine, the yellow team. And I had actually forgotten that this was going to happen. Like one of the moms told me she was doing this. Right after the game was over, a white stretch limousine pulls onto the field onto the grass and it has rams flags on it our team name on the front flying it pulls up in the middle of the field like between the two teams and i will never forget the look on the yellow team's face where they're like is that for them <laughs> and our our kids were like is that for us i'm like oh yeah we're doing our we're gonna do our party now we're gonna do pizza we're gonna go to the pool and stuff like this i you know we arranged this but yeah you guys can get it chauffeur gets out that's what this is a reference to chauffeur gets out opens the door you know stands beside us all these kids who just finished 0 and 13 the worst football team ever all piled in, laughing and talking, like we're riding a limousine together. And he shuts the door, gets in, and I watch this thing drive <laughs> off. And I'm like, that's the best picture of the kingdom of God I've ever seen in my life. Because, guess what? Yeah, the world's messed up. We're failures too, morally. We don't measure up. But the limo's coming anyway. How amazing is that? So, considering that that's true, like as, as much of a, as much as I can mess things up in my own life, considering that that's true, can I extend that grace to other people? Like, that the dilemma is coming for us anyway. Like, look what God has done. He's so good. Can I, can that be the basis of my life that I wake up thankful for that? And now I extend that to other people, or do I think I should sit in judgment? If I was busted for some horrible crime, and I was on death row, and the judge said, you've served enough time, you can go home to your family right now. And I got in my car, like in shock, like I'm being sent home, and I'm driving on the highway, and somebody cuts into my lane, I'm not like, I can't believe you did I'm not thinking that. Maybe this, okay. I can't wait. I can't believe that just happened to me. There's there is where the resource comes from to actually forgive people like we're talking about. This will change everything in your life 
It's worth doing. It is discipleship. It is biblical. It is wonderful. And we can do it together. This is our sport. We do this forgiveness thing together. It's what we do. People will look at us and go, reminds me of somebody. Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them if they don't know what they're doing. This is a, this is a very good way to live. So I encourage you to do it, to try it. It's practice. We're growing. God is good. All the time. I remember a t-shirt. I'm going to totally copyright this because I can't find it now. So nobody can do it but me. I'm going to start making them again. But it's just saying, life is hard. God is good. Let's dance. Right? I like that. Thank you for being here. Thank you for watching this. Thank you for uh, thinking through this stuff with me. I love having people on this journey with me. It's a challenge. It's beautiful. It gets better. It gets better every day. There's new facets of this that take on real life. And you know what happens? You become a different person. You become a different person, which is a, like a new creation, like a, like, a, like a being the planet has never seen before because everybody else, we're so naturally different than that. But to be this way, hey, that's something special. So thank you for joining us. How to say, I don't know how to say. All right, one more time, one more time. That was great, yeah. they like better than the, the main Hey, team. shut up. Better than the main Exactly. Well, she says she's a brilliant actress. So how do you do it? easy to say be unoffendable how do you do it I got two answers so that wasn't a lot of answers in there and a lot of cool illustrations uh, how do you do it or just what was really helpful to you what questions you have what would you be taking home from that tonight that really you carry with you to help you think about being somebody better Jeff the book says we don't have to do it we get to do it uh-huh why does what is that meaningful to you? Why why did you remember that? Because of, Jesus gives us the opportunity. He he forgave us. He died for us, and gives us the opportunity to do likewise. And so there's not a feeling of this is what you should do. It's not that, is it? It's like how, how can you not? How how can you after God has been like this? How 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 do I not? And I get to be that. Yeah, I get to be to others what God has been to me, and that changed my life. I get I get to play that role. Yeah, so it's not a mandate being beaten over our heads. Although it's a command, I don't want to minimize that. Are there other thoughts that stood out to you, or it's a good way to live? It's a good way to live. Yeah, it's a good way. Okay, why? What do you mean? How does that? Why? Why did that stand out to you? Just, I mean, you think about the alternative, being angry and offended by everybody, everything everybody does, and it's just, it's not a good way to be. It's a miserable existence. Yeah. It's a miserable existence. It's like some people wouldn't be happy if they were happy. It's just that they live in that, and they become that.
I saw some of you taking notes. How do you do it? What stood out? What helped you? Or what? What did I didn't understand? Jeanette and then Craig. He, he said, um, "Be thankful because it's well." He said it's impossible to be thankful and angry at the same time. I don't know if it's impossible, but it's pretty hard to be angry while you're in a mind mind of thankfulness. Yeah, gratitude and anger just—it's really hard for them to coexist. Yeah. Okay. I was going in the same place, but I like how you said uh, we should find ways to remind ourselves to be grateful, be thankful, and that will keep us in gratitude and not allow us to be a place banker. Yeah, just remembering. Just we've got to remember. He talked about how he struggles with memory, and and he's talked about forgiveness every single time. So that's just like driving home, driving home, driving home. Um, is um, to remember. We are constantly not deserving of forgiveness. And and this protest and riots and, and fighting and the combative spirit is all about responding in ways to giving people what they deserve. Uh, it's justice. And just being reminded God did not give us what we deserve. Um, and so uh, I, I like the illustration he used of the... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't exist to be manipulated to anger. Yeah. That's what got me. Yeah. And that, that was where he talked about quit feeding your anger. That is so relevant. So relevant. Let's come in there in a minute. Just the, the forgiveness part. Anything else about forgiveness that really helped there? Um, looking back... I just feel really, really blessed that I have God to turn to when I have those moments where um, I don't have him like I used to. Before I had God, I would get angry, and I had trouble forgiving people that hurt me. But one thing I learned also is if you don't forgive someone that really hurts you, that person will control the rest of your life mm -hmm. because you're always it's always there and then once you do the forgiveness part you have the peace that god said you'll get and you're free mm -hmm. it's a freedom it's a beautiful freedom yeah and she hasn't been angry since we've been married <laughs> <laughs> Something that, that Jesus has told us before that, that really falls into this is, is we have to be judgmental before we're angry because we're judging. And, and Jesus has told us by the same standard that we judge others, he will use that same standard to judge us. So I want to have a real generous standard. Oh, I want to have yeah. A real generous. Yeah. That yeah. bar is going to be really low. Yeah. Yeah. Real generous grace. Good. That was the word you used. Graceful. Just live graceful. True. And then. So we can work on forgiveness together. You know, he was talking about the church. How we can learn to forgive each other, so we can go out into the world and do that. Yeah. So we can either work on forgiveness together or we can become a mom together. 
What was that? We can be a. Or you can become a mob. That's what I thought you said. Yeah, he he quoted two two well known writers in T. Wright. Jesus' vision for the church: small communities practicing his way of forgiveness together. That means let's not be stupid and say it's all perfect in here. We all get along. No, we're still humans in here. Um, and then D. A. Carson also he's a tremendous preacher. Um, we're a band of enemies that stick together because of Jesus. I thought that was interesting. Just we, we do it here and it flows out there. Good point. One he kinda of said it as an aside, but it stuck probably the thing that got me the most in the whole thing was when the limo pulled up, picked up the kids. I love that story. It's like what a an example of the kingdom of God. Yeah. And it really is true. Yeah, that, that that was a good emotional close. I was like, oh, man, what a great story. Um, I, I, I love the illustration about forgiveness that if you've been in prison for many years incarcerated and the judge says, you know, why don't you just go home? You're so thrilled, so thankful, so excited you're not going to let some little things that normally would get you upset and angry. It's like, who cares? Man, I'm free. I've been set free. And so just living um, out of that gratitude. Um, when you guys go up to scratch your head, I don't know if somebody's raising their hand. Like, I see movement there. Um, it, you've touched on it twice, but I just want to talk about it for a little bit. I just, because that's a new thought he has not introduced. The forgiveness, he's talked about it constantly. Quit feeding your anger. What did he say about that? Why is that helpful, important? How, do, how does that happen? How do we do that? I think part of it is recognizing what makes you angry, first of all. I, I would use a, an example of myself. I had her write that down. I don't know how many years ago it was, but I was, I was an avid prepper for a long time. The world's going to end, and even as a Christian, you know, and I think she pointed out that the thing that got me fired up all the time was all of the conspiracy videos I was watching on YouTube, all of the news feeds uh -huh. they were talking about, all of the things that were going bad, and she's like, just stop watching that stuff. <clears throat> Lights out, done. And I haven't been angry about that stuff in years now. It's just something I don't focus on anymore. So I think that's what he's talking about is identifying what makes you angry first and then eliminating it to the extent that it's not going to make you angry anymore. And then I think there's also a spiritual maturity that has to occur at some point where you have to become able to, if you're going to consume that kind of content, there's growth that has to occur as a Christian, as a, as a person, before you can allow yourself to kind of engage with that kind of material again. Yeah. Yeah, it fuels your fire. How do we feed our anger? We're rabid fans of anger. Yet yeah, sells. He said that. It's like they don't put stuff out there because it's the news. They put the stuff out there because that's what we want. Yeah, yeah, isn't it? Says be slow to anger. Why does it say that? Well, because it's hard. It's hard. It's so much easier to get angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't know about you all, but um. Not necessarily that it relates to this particular time, but after our, our last big three, four years election, I just quit listening to the radio. I quit watching the news, and I started listening to 88.7 KPAE 
classical music and it just calmed my soul. A lot of the stuff on the news that I watched and a lot of the, I'm big into, I grew up in politics, that was my father's world. And a lot of the um, news that I watched, I'm interested in politics, very much so. And a lot of the talk shows that I've listened to the radio, a lot of the things I was hearing I agreed with, but there was a toxicity. It was like poisonous. Even though I agreed with it, to a degree, there was a disrespect and a combative nature. I just don't want that in me. Um, I just don't. And so, uh, same thing with Facebook. A lot of people are feeding, a lot of people are fueling fires through their comments on Facebook, and a lot of people are feeding their fires through what they're reading. And, and here's the sickest part of it, is so much of that is not even true stuff. But they think it is, maybe it is, they don't know, they hear it, and boom, they're mad. And so they put something out there that makes somebody else even angrier, and then they put something, it's just this fire. So some of the national stuff that happened that was really bad, I, I saw on Facebook, it's like, man, I gotta get away from this. And it's just, here's another log, put on that fire. I'll make this comment. In the name of speaking up for justice or what's right, it's just, no, that's just another stick on the fire of racism, another stick on the fire of political divide or, or whatever it may be. We feed our anger through, through, in, through, Sometimes stuff that's on the news, uh, through the radio, through television, through Facebook, and all those things aren't necessarily bad, but you got to be mature enough, like Craig was saying. And then, sadly, are, are you getting ready to raise your hand? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, I didn't know that was... <laughs> there was a fly right there. <laughs> well, one of the things he said was, don't exist to be manipulated toward anger. And that's exactly those things that can do that. Watching the news, or not to, not to say we all should stick our head in the sand by any means, but don't exist to be manipulated toward anger. How do you want to live? Yeah. Peace. Um, so remind yourself of God's goodness. Um, and he says, anger lives in the lap of fools. Yeah. So feed yourself with things that are peaceful. And so. Another way we, Lisa? That's what I was thinking. It, <clears throat> we react, we build ourselves up by what we consume. That's right. So if we consume things that are manipulative to think anger and injustice and such, we get fed by that. If we feed ourselves with scripture, with love from our brothers and sisters, from that Jesus' teachings, that's what we're filled with. Yeah. And that's how we achieve the peace. Yeah. It, it, we can also feed our anger not just from those external sources. We can feed our anger through people we spend time with. And I wonder, when people walk away from me, do you want to share with the class? <laughs> She's making you angry. Do I need to, Amy, can you get up here? Can you move up here, please? 
Need you and Jolie to separate. I got somebody swatting at a fly, or I have a hand back here, friend. Just like one of the one of the things that feeds your anger is when you think what you think is more important than what anybody else. Thinks. There's pride, and, and that really, I think, uh, encapsulates a lot of the problem. Is we're looking at the world from our point of view. We never are really looking at the world from the other person's point of view. So what's important to us, if they're not fulfilling what's important to us, they're wrong, we're right. He has a whole chapter that he doesn't speak about in the video on humility that's very good. Um, I only wrote down two comments on it. When you're humble and live to deny yourself, there's so much less at stake, so much less to protect. You become difficult to offend because there's so much less of you to offend when it's that pride, that pride is so at play. Uh, and just, just finally, as far as feeding your anger, just watch who you spend time with and watch who you are and how you impact people. I've had, I remember someone came up to me and it was about somebody they go to church with and they said, I just can't, every time I spend time with them, I don't, I disrespect my elders and don't like our church. I just can't spend time with them. I get angry when I'm around them. Someone came up to me that hadn't been to church in a long time. And they finally came back and they were so excited. I was so glad to see them. And as I was preaching, I saw through the glass that they were talking to someone during the whole sermon. And then they came up to me afterwards and says, I'm not coming back here ever again. And I said, why? Well, because this, this, and this are happening. How do you know that? Well, this person told me. And I saw the conversation and I said, yeah, but that's not even true. I mean, I should know. <laughs> so that's not true. Um, your company can really fire you up or piece you up. Be careful. Um, so we have time for this. I've been waiting four lessons, three or four lessons. Keep saying, oh, there's something. There's a whole point he makes in a chapter. We do have time. Um, that is really important, I think. And he just didn't talk about the video, but he did in the chapter. But but our discussion went on so well each time that we never got around to it. But one of the ways of how do you do it is, I think this is what he says in the book, at least this way I have it in my notes. A key to being unoffendable is to practice rest. Practice rest. Now, let me explain to you. Um, and I'm going to share with you what he wrote, but I'm also going to share with you what I learned. <laughs> you know, you're getting old, when What I learned in the late 1980s from a book that was given to me, written by a guy named Gordon McDonald. That's right. Ordering Your Private World. Learning to Practice Rest. Um, and, and I'll share it from the perspective of the Gospel of Mark. But you can see it all throughout Scripture, especially throughout the Gospels. When you read the Gospel of Mark, it's the shortest, shortest Gospel, and it's a, it's intense. It's intense. Um, there is one word. I think it's the word that's repeated the most often, other than the and a and then or something like that. Um, and it's repeated so many times that I printed it and looked at it, and that so impressed me looking at it that I said, wow. And so I, I put these copies here and these copies here. You can't see that small print, but that's just me going to blueletterbible.org, 
taking a look at that word and saying, where else in Mark does it show up? It shows up every, that many times in that one small book. And it's translated in different ways. It's like Jesus was doing this, and immediately he went here. And then Jesus did this in a straight way. He went here, um, uh, straight away, straight away, straight away, straight away, forthwith. That must have been King James Version. Um, immediately he did this, immediately he did this, forthwith. It's, it's just constantly, it's, it's a, it's a fast-paced book, and you just feel like Jesus must be worn out because I'm feeling worn out reading the book. It's just, it's just busy. Jesus here, and then immediately he went here, and then immediately these people came to him, and then straight away this, and you just, this is constant. But he makes a point in the book that here's what's really interesting in the Gospels, is that's the kind of way the Gospel is presented, but you look at Jesus, and um, yeah, and he's, not only is he constantly, there's just busyness, he's just, there's constant persecution and criticism from those that oppose him, but he seems to maintain his cool um, in an amazing way. How do, how do you do that in such a, a, cre a, 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 a chaos? It's because Jesus models for us one who practiced rest. In, in Mark chapter 1, in verse 35, um, well, this is it. Like uh, in, earlier, you know, he went into uh, Simon Peter's mom's home and and uh, mother-in-law, and he healed her, and she's good to go. And then it says that evening after sunset, that's when you chill. Let's just kick back and relax. After sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many with diseases, he drove out demons, but he wouldn't let demons talk because it's so it's like just going, going, going. And when it's time to rest, everybody shows up at the door, and he's still going. And so then we read in verse thirty-five, a verse that I memorized um, when God changed my life early, very early in the morning while it was still dark. Jesus got up and went to a solitary place where he prayed. He's practicing rest. And I think that really carried him. It says Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone's looking for you! He was off on his own, practicing rest. And so you, you see that uh, all throughout the Gospel of Mark. And I think that helped give Jesus a sense of peace and calm and not to be scandalized by others because there was an inner peace by his practice. The, the greatest example of that perhaps is in chapter 6 of Mark, and I think this is where that ordering your private world comes in. Um, I think this is where I really, this, this really helped me a lot. Mark chapter 6, you're in this intensity of, of all of these verses, just going, 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 going. Um, he's been in Nazareth, and his, the closest of his people that he grew up with. It says literally they were offended at him, so there's conflict there. In chapter 6, his his good buddy John the Baptist just got beheaded. And um, so like that's, he's carrying that. In chapter 6 and verse 30, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because, listen, so many people were coming and going. It's just like they're coming and going, they're coming and going. That's just his life. They were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat. And it's just memorize this verse, all right? He said to them, 
hear Jesus. Let me just write this down and let him say this to you in the mornings. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. You realize we've got to do that. We're just going to be so well done. But here's here's the crazy part. So they got on a boat, right? They get on this boat, they go to the other side of the lake, but everybody sees it. They don't have boats. And so they run and get there before Jesus did. And Jesus got off the boat and he saw the crowds and if he was trying to get away from them to practice and to, to get some rest. And you would kind of think that he'd get off the boat and just go crazy. I can't handle this. I've had enough. But when he saw a large crowd, this is amazing. In verse 34, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things and then he fed them. Um, well, that's the story we looked at this past Sunday. It's like, wow. But he's still tired, right? He still hadn't rested. So look what he does. After he feeds them, it says in verse 45, immediately, that's it straight with moving that fast-paced book of Mark. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead. He didn't, he didn't wait for them to leave. It's kind of like I am sometimes when I have company. Y'all can say, I'm going to bed. <laughs> that happens sometimes. Because <laughs> Karen, she can, oh, I'm tired, you know. I'll be right back. <laughs> um, he didn't wait for his disciples. He said, I want you guys to get in the boat. And then it says, he, verse 45, he dismissed the crowd. He didn't wait. Oh, man, I don't know if they'll ever leave. He realized, I'm going to have to order. Or this is order in the private world. You don't, you don't let your schedule control you. You don't wait. You make it happen. You've got to be intentional about, about it. So he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray he's practicing rest and then the book he doesn't refer to mark 6 uh, in uh, unoffendable but the book says that's what helped him not blow up all the time with people because he had this inner peace that wasn't just because he was a son of god but there was he was practicing rest and so the application there is one of the reasons that we get so angry with people is because we're already on edge. And just that's the nature of our lives. It's just this, you know, just going, going, going. And we're busy in chaos. And there's never a moment to rest. And someone comes up and says, hey, and we just blow up. All they said was, hey, and we just, we're so offended because we're not at peace within because we don't practice rest. Um, our lives are so busy, so chaotic, so stressful, we become so impatient that we're vulnerable emotionally. And so we set the stage for how we interact with others in that way. And so Jesus shows us a beautiful example. And then um, he closes, I think it's in this book, with Psalm 46, that chapter at least he closed. This is really good. I'll read it to you. God is our refuge. Let's just listen to that. That place of rest. You've got to have that. And our strength. An ever-present help in trouble. So troubles are there. They don't just disappear. But you find rest in them. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way. This is Psalm 46. Though the earth give way, 
and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. In spite of everything around me, it's just blowing up and going crazy. There's a river in the midst of the surging waters. This is beautiful. There's a river whose streams, you see this peaceful river, whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. That's where you go. In the midst of the storms. And then he goes back to the storms. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow. He, he's sovereign. He's in control. And then it ends with, and you know this because we sing it, So be still and know that I am God. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The world is falling apart around me. I just... It makes me crazy, but I'm not falling apart. <clears throat> Be still. Practice rest. God has this. In spite of everything around me falling apart, I'm not falling apart. God is my refuge. God is my fortress. What a great chapter to just to be nourished with. Um, and so, if, if you want to find one of my lackings and skills is, is such artwork. I was trying to produce this for you. Uh, Sarah had to take Sammy home. Sarah's good at this. Sarah had to take Sammy home for naps. And no, I'll do this. Uh, so those cutters are so hard. But anyway, I wanted to give you something practical to take home. How do you do this? Go be unoffendable. Stop. Stop it. You know, stop being offendable. So this is a list of verses you can keep with you. Put it in your Bible where you should be opening every day. <laughs> and take a look at this. Be nourished by these verses. And that's Romans. Yeah, that's Romans. My bad. Like I said, I, I do that on purpose so you realize I make mistakes. Um, so this is, this is not Eddie thought all this stuff. This is really me plagiarizing from God and and from the points that we've learned so far in the that we've learned up to this in the lesson before you respond to the person who hurt you or offended you just stop and ask yourself this question we, we talked about this have, have i been praying for that person that's what jesus says just you know these people that are hurting you offending you persecute just pray for them so that you'll become perfect like he didn't say so that they'll become perfect he says so you will there's something about prayer maybe it'll change them but if it doesn't it'll change me have I been praying for them? Have I been praying for them? In the same verse, Matthew 5, 43, he says, love them. So in that moment, as you're preparing to give a response, and there are times when you need to respond, you should respond, you love them. How can I show this person God's love? What does that look like? In this moment, right now, is my opportunity to show love especially in this moment. It's easy to show love for me to you all because y'all are so, most of you are so loving. Um, <laughs> uh, I looked around and all of a sudden, I, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. 
And then we, we looked at this verse in chapter 12, and this is tough. Do good to those who hurt you. Bless them. Don't overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. So as I prepare to respond, as I go to bed at night and ruminate, maybe I should ruminate over, how can I bless them? What is the way when I get up in the morning that I can bless them? And I'm going to stop right now and just pray for them. Because it's really hard to hold something against someone whom I'm lifting up to God. And then Colossians 3, that's that one that says, Hey, your anger is of the earthly nature. You need to rid yourself of it. Am I ridding myself of... And I put the word sinful anger because we're really struggling with that word anger. Some anger is, some anger isn't. So I said, you know what? I'll toss sinful in there. That's because we know that's what we're talking about. Is this a response of anger that is a sinful anger? Um that resides in the lap of fools. Colossians 3, 3 through 14 is great. And then a couple of weeks ago, we looked at Proverbs 15, 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh answer stirs up. Stirs it up more. Um, Will my response, is it going to be gentle or harsh? Gentle doesn't mean no response. It's an answer. How am I going to do that? What's my objective? Am I going to fuel their fire more? A harsh answer stirs up anger. Am I going to fuel it more? Or is my objective to try to speak peace into this? That doesn't mean I don't speak. That doesn't mean I don't speak directly. And then, in, in, uh, that's that chapter that I mentioned that we don't have time to look at. It's in the book. You should read it. Um, right now, this feeling I have and these words that are getting ready to come out of my mouth to this person... Um, am I being driven by humility or pride? Because pride is a big part of struggle for me. Philippians 2, 3, just let that, just live there. And then we looked in James 1, 19. Am I being quick to listen? And in that we talked about, remember, um, we respond, we get upset, and we haven't even listened. We're not, we don't even know. We think we do and we don't. We think we know their hearts, and we don't. We think we know what happened in this other state with this situation, and we're we're we're, we're because we saw it on NPR, or we saw it from um, uh, Fox News. I'll be fair, okay? Uh, <laughs> what's that guy's name? I'm trying to think. Uh, that got fired from Fox. I was going to use him. Uh, sorry, Tucker. Yeah, Tucker. Yeah, because Tucker said it. Um, are we listening? Um, are we learning? Um, he who answers in Proverbs, we learn he who answers before listening. Uh, that is his folly and shame. And then, this is just the, the most repetitive thing. In Ephesians 4.32, I think uh, Kathy brought it up last week. In this moment, am I, is this a response? Am I showing forgiveness to this person in the same way God has forgiven me? Be reminded of that. He didn't teach this. It's not even in the book anywhere, I don't think. Um, I came across it and thought, I'm going to toss it in there too. In Hebrews 12, 14, make every effort to live at peace with everyone. It doesn't say with these people because they're so peaceful. It says everyone. <laughs> everyone. Oh, boy. This is such a high calling. Uh, Hebrews 12, 14, am I making right now, what's it going to look like for me to make every effort to live in peace with everyone? Um. And then, I loved last week. Do you remember um, the lobster 
and the artist that he goes to visit, and this guy sees all this ugly junk, and he turns it into beautiful artwork, and he says, God has this ability to see the beautiful, see the ugly junk of my life, and beyond all my nastiness and created me something good. And so he says it's the same, the truth is the same for all of us. And so um, I gave you the, I said, he didn't give a verse for that. And so I thought of the story in Acts chapter nine of um, Ananias says, no way, <laughs> that dude is a terrorist. He's killing Christians in Jerusalem. And God says, no, you, you gotta know, I see beyond that murderous person. Uh, he's my instrument. I'm gonna do. You just watch and see what I'm gonna do with him. Don't you think that if we would always be thinking, I'm not perfect, why should I think? Yeah. That's we have that expectation of others. That was one of his lessons. He says, "Let's remember, we're humans. This is what he, this is the way humans act. This is the way you act. You're, 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 you're have expectations of others. You don't hold upon yourself. Yeah. I'm not perfect, neither are they. Um, yeah." Yeah. So am I seeing beyond the hurt from this person and seeing with the eyes of an artist? I mean, am I seeing the person they can become? And then Proverbs 15.1, am I feeding my anger? What's motivating this? No wonder I'm so fired up. I need to get away from all them or that, this, this, that's something. And then... The final thing we looked at tonight, that was one chapter I really appreciated. Am I practicing rest? Or am I just a person that's on edge? No wonder I'm behaving like I am. So I actually put this on cardstock so that it could actually be something applicable and practical that you could keep. I just wonder, I just wonder if I read these questions every day, every morning, and went over these verses. I wonder what kind of person I would be each day. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I thank you so much for this time in this class we've had. It's been really helpful for me, Father. It's made me stop and it's made me question it. I've struggled. I've wrestled with some of the things that were presented. It's really made me look at what it what it means to to live out Jesus in my life to others, especially to those who make my life, it feels like, difficult. Thank you for your grace and your love and your forgiveness that you've poured out upon us. God, may we be so uh, uh, mindful of your grace and mercy and forgiveness to us that we will pour it out upon others and show the others your love. May we certainly practice that at home and in the church. And may that flow over into the world. So Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, see you next Wednesday. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.